0: Uh, we continue on with the Apostle Paul and his letter to the Ephesians. We're in the Ephesians 5. Next week, we're going to talk about marriage, right? Who wants to talk about marriage, right? It's gonna, I think it's going to be one of uh, the hardest, but also one of the most fun sermons that I will preach uh, next week. But today, we're going to continue on. Um, he's talking about to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. He said that back in Ephesians 4. He's like, hey, this is this is like like you guys know. Like who you are in Christ now, now walk in this, in the manner that you're, you, that you're supposed to walk. This is the the, 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 like, like you know, if you're a royal, you know, I, I gave this example, but if you're like in British royalty, you can't just like, do whatever you want and like, you know, blah, you know, like you gotta, you gotta act in the manner of royalty, right? But and God calls us, He calls us a royal priesthood, and there is, He's saying there's, He's talking about the high call of God. In Ephesians and then Philippians 3 it talks about like I press forward I press on he's saying like man now I'm getting persecuted people are beating me up people are like you know trying to put me in prison but I press on I, I keep going and I, I press on for the higher things about the high call of God right so this is this is not things that Paul's telling you to be a nominal Christian right it's really easy I said it many times but it's easy to be a nominal Christian right most people spend their lives like like being nominal Christians and they never break the surface of what it is to really know God and know Jesus. But he's saying this is for you guys to know the higher call of God. Because you guys all have to understand that God, like like you're here on this earth, not just for you to make a paycheck. If that was if that was the main like purpose of you being on this earth, it, that's sad, dude. It's basically like, you know, who enjoys work? Nobody, anybody in here? You guys if you do you, you know you, there's a little bit of lying in you, right? <laughs> right? Nobody even if you have the greatest job, you, nobody wants to work there. people would rather take the day off and like spend it with their family right? So, like if, if you think that like, working and having a career and getting a paycheck is what you're called to in this world to do, it's really it's, it, that's really sad. but uh, Apostle Paul tells us that there's this higher call that we all have as, as ones that have come into the family of God. And then he's saying, I press on for this higher call, this high call of God that God has given us. So that no matter what we're doing, right, he was a missionary, he was a tent maker, right, he was, he was one that was like traveling the world preaching, but, but whether he was doing that or whether he was sitting in prison or whether he was making tents, right, he's saying, I'm pressing on for this, this high call of God. And that's what he's bringing us in this letter to the Ephesians. It's, it's so that we really understand and know what we are called to, right, who we are in Christ, and what we are all called to be and to do as, as members of the body of Christ. And he exhorts the church, the body of Christ. And, and he's saying to live a, a life in, in this manner, right? In this way. This is what, what, what like, you know, the the your the manner in which you should walk is in this way. And he talks about humility. He says humble yourself. And we, that we need to be humble. We need to be gentle, patient. We need to be united. Right? We talked about way back in uh, chapter 4 that, that the unity of, of the body of Christ is very important. Because right? Jesus considered the unity of bo- the body of Christ very important. And, and he talked about that we're supposed to be ministers. Right? We read that, 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 you know, that, that the pastors, the, the apostles, the, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the, the, the pastors, they all are, are given to the church for the work of the ministry, no, given to the church to to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that so that that it's not just the the pastors and the evangelists that are doing ministry, but ministry is supposed to be done by the body of Christ, as the body of Christ, and and that's it's not a it's not a church, it's not a location, but it's people. And you guys move forward, you guys go into this world, right, in the in in all the different capacities that you are in the world, and you are supposed to minister, right, and and and, and he says that that uh, we're supposed to grow. You know, he tells us to take off the old self and the futility of our minds and to be renewed in the spirit of our heart and to put on the new self. Uh, And and the new self, Paul gave us practical things for us to uh, establish in our walk. He says, speak the truth. Don't be angry, but uh, not, you know, be angry, but don't sin. Meaning, don't allow... We're all going to get angry, right? Who does not get angry? Everybody gets angry, right? But then he's saying, you can be angry, but don't say, don't let anger just stay in there and become malice or unforgiveness or like all of that crazy stuff that comes with anger, right? And all the bitterness and like, oh, I hate her, you know, or I hate him, oh, you know. That started with anger, right? Anger is okay, but don't let that become sin in your heart, right? And, and he talks about that, that, uh, you know, like to... to uh, for the, the thief to not steal, right? But not just don't just steal. Don't just not steal, but be generous, right? Because he's giving us the old self. Our self is one that steals, right? I've stolen in my life. But the, but the new self is, isn't one that just doesn't steal, but is one that actually is generous. It's like, make something, make money, and then actually give it to poor people. Like, give it away. Like, be generous with one another. That's the new self. And, and we talked about how we're supposed to not tear down the body of Christ with our words our words are very powerful but to build up the body of Christ and the way we talk and the way we relate with another to, to equip and and to shepherd and to like to like speak life into people's hearts and to not grieve the Holy Spirit because we're able to grieve the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit if Holy Spirit is in you and you're doing something that's not like in line with the Holy Spirit you grieve the Holy Spirit right if Holy Spirit is in me, and all of a sudden like something comes out on TV, and I'm like oh, and then I you know, or like you know like I, I'm walking down the street, and, and 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 you know somebody like there's a girl walking by, and I'm like oh, you know, like like Holy Spirit is like well tell me like no don't do that right, but then but then what if one day I, I like I'm like with my friends or I'm with my wife, and then all of a sudden I'm like I start like getting all like ah, and I get angry or whatever, and I get and I start like you know saying all this this bad things to my wife, and then Holy Spirit is like oh feel grieved. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's not that the Holy Spirit's going to leave. But but we're not going to be able to communicate and hear from the Holy Spirit. Right? That's why unforgiveness is so important. I'm going to talk about it later. That is when the unforgiveness is in, in our heart. It's really hard for us to hear the Holy Spirit. Right? And he, he says that, be kind, be tender-hearted, right? and like Jesus Christ, forgive. For, for us to be people that are forgiving, I want to touch up on that last aspect of forgiveness. I preached on unforgiveness before. And it's one of those things that it's one of those sins that sins that we have in our hearts and we don't even know that it's there. It doesn't feel bad when when we have unforgiveness. Like when I lust, I like it feels bad. I feel shame. Like when I like I, when I do something that's very lustful I'm like, "Oh, I feel dirty." Right? You're like, "Well, or like when, when I when I'm angry or like like when I'm like bitter when, when I'm like uh, you know th- when I steal like I, I even when I was all on drugs and I would steal, I feel bad right this is like, like this, is, this is, you just feel guilty right but then when you when you're like have unforgiveness in your heart when you are you are angry and all of a sudden you let bitterness and this unforgiveness come into your heart it doesn't feel bad it actually feels you feel righteous how many feel righteous when they're right right unforgiveness is I'm right and you're wrong, right? Blah, right? That's that's what it is, right? And so then unforgiveness actually feels very right inside of our hearts, but but it actually is something that Jesus continues to tell us not to do. It doesn't feel like sin. And so many of us, we try to walk our walks with Jesus and, and try not to do all of these sins that make us feel bad, but many times when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, we don't even know that it's a sin. And it affects our relationship with Christ. It affects our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the subject of forgiveness is very important to Jesus. It says So much so that Jesus says that if we don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive us. So much so that Jesus actually adds it to the prayer that he teaches us. Right? When he taught us to pray, did he say, and you shall not lust after... No, he, what did he say? Did he say, oh... Make sure that you pray like this, Lord, please help me not to steal. You know what I mean? No, he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He added that into the prayer that he wanted his people to pray. That's very important because it's like it actually is keeping us separated in a sense of us really relating to God and relating to Jesus. You know, Mark 11 is an example where, you know, we read it in our Bible reading plan. Who read Mark 11? Yeah, right? But when he, he walks by the fig tree and he curses the fig tree, like he, like he gets hungry. And he's like, you know what? And then he goes to the fig tree. And it actually says that it was not fig season. So there shouldn't have been any figs on that tree, right? But he sees that there's no fruit. He's like, no one will eat figs from you ever again. And he walks off. And the disciples hear him, right? And he goes and he, he flips over the tables at the... At the, at the temple, he gets all, like, righteous anger, and, you know, like, my house will be a house of prayer. And then he comes back and passes that same fig tree, and then, and then uh, the disciples are like, oh, Jesus, there's that fig tree that you cursed. It's all withered and down to the root, right? And then he says, like, and then he gives us this lesson, right? And I always thought it was because the fig tree wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. But actually, the lesson is, dude, if you have faith in God, you can do anything. It's like, believe in God. Like, if you have faith to move mountains, you can move mountains. If you have faith to, like, do whatever it is, have faith, but then he says, you know what? But forgive. He actually adds that into that because it actually affects our relationship with God. He actually says, he says, you know, you can move mountains, you can do all these things, but forgive. Like, if you have anything against your brother, forgive them, right? just as Christ forgave you. In the same way that if we want to move and and be powerful and be anointed and do things for God, and we want to, like, You know, like, bring about, like, revival. And we still have unforgiveness in our heart, it actually is going to affect the anointing that is flowing from us. It's very important because it doesn't feel like sin. And there's moments where Jesus will remind me, forgive your wife. And I'm like, ooh. Because for, like, for for a day, I'm just like, she did that, and she did it on purpose, you know. (laughs) I mean, like, but God's saying, forgive, forgive. Be a people that forgive. And know that forgive is not just to excuse. You know, we're not I'm not saying that you're supposed to be a doormat and you just allow people to do all these bad things and you just continue to let them do it. Forgive is not to excuse, but it, it actually you have to set your boundaries and you gotta speak the truth in love, right? Somebody's doing something that's wrong, you go and you work it out and you speak the truth in love, but at the end of the day, you have to forgive. You gotta be able to let that go. And right? you set boundaries. You make confrontations. You say, hey, this is hurting me. But at the end of the day, you don't hold on to that bitterness. You let that go, right? It's a choice. And God wants his people to to be quick to forgive. People that are not walking around with bitterness, holding on to hate, holding on to all the, the junk and the garbage that comes with with, with unforgiveness. And he keeps us being, It keeps us, from be, uh, being close to Jesus, it keeps us from hearing God. He said, "If we don't forgive, God won't forgive us." Meaning, he's, there's like there's gonna be something uh, like a separation, some kind of barrier that keeps us from being really close to God. Right? Now, now, if I'm a Christian and I don't forgive, and all of a sudden I die, am I going to hell? No, right. But he's saying, what is he saying there? Isn't not like our, uh, uh, you know, like like if, now if I'm one of those people that can never forgive anyone, I would really like like. See if I'm really a Christian. You know those people that like they call themselves Christians, but then they can't really forgive anybody. You wrong them once, and they're just like bitter for the rest of their lives. I would actually really go in there. And it's like, oh, is this person really saved? Because if you're really saved, you know the grace of Jesus Christ. If you really know the grace of Jesus Christ, you are able to forgive, right? So, so this isn't saying if you don't forgive, all right, and then and all of a sudden you die, you're going to go to hell. No, it's like if you don't forgive, there's actually a, there's a barrier between you and God, something that's actually keeping you. From really being able to be close and intimate with your Savior. God is actually holding something against us when we don't forgive. And so he wants people to forgive. That's why he keeps on putting it. He teaches us in the way he prayed. Hey, you know, this is how you should pray. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as heaven. Give us their day bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You know what that the translation of it is? like? It's not like, like forgive us our debts and help me to forgive. He says, forgive us our debts as we have already forgiven our debtors. That's what it's saying. Right? When Jesus said that, it's like, forgive us our sins as we have already forgiven the sins of those that sin against us. So that forgiveness is very important. Right? I didn't want to just gloss over it because last week I was pressed for time. I feel like I'm always like playing catch up. But I was kinda pressed for time and I couldn't really go into it. But forgiveness is very Im- unforgiveness is very important. Unforgiveness is not a word, by the way, right? It's not really a word in the in, in the dictionary. Unforgivingness is, right? Unforgivingness is an adjective, right? Like so he has unforgivingness. He's one that tends to not unforgive. But unforgiveness is like this noun, right? It's something that it's a noun, unforgiveness. It's something that we're holding on to that that's keeping us from forgiving, right? It's not actually a word in the d- dictionary, but it actually is very important in the kingdom of God. If we have it in our hearts, it's actually going to com- keep us from being close to God. Uh, today, we, we move to a new chapter. It's chapter 5. And Paul is still continuing, um, talking about the manner in which we are to walk as the body of Christ, as the people of God. And he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, fragrant a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Last week, I talked about... How the first sin of Adam and Eve was was this sin of like wanting to be God, right? Satan, like the devil goes to them and is like, you know what? Did God really tell you that you cannot eat of that? Because he knows that if you eat of it, you will be like God. You will basically be God, right? And that's that's what that's what he tempted them with, right? And then the same sin that the Pharisees had, the Pharisees actually, God gave them the law, and then they just said, Okay, we have this law, and so now we can actually be God without God I can actually be righteous outside of God. I don't need God I just need my righteousness right, right? I, I, I don't need God to save me my righteousness will save me right And so it's a sin of pride a sin of just being focused on ourselves but Paul here tells us that we are to imitate God says so be imitators of God but how does how are we supposed to be imitators of God? are we Im- imitate God in this prideful way like oh I'm, I'm like God man I'm God. no. He says, "As beloved children," everybody say, "Beloved children." Now I have beloved children, and and they imitate us all the time. And when they do, it's not because they think that they can be their parents. Right, Ethan, when he comes up and earlier you saw him, you saw him pick up the mic and he was like, "Da da da you know, whatever he said. He didn't do that because he thought that he could lead prayer or that he thought that he could preach or he thought that he could be a pastor. No, he did that because he just wants to do what I do, right? He wants to hold this like I hold this, right? It's, it's, it, and, and it's out of this love, it's out of this devote, like this this love that he has for us, that he wants to imitate. That word is called technon in the Greek, and it it's actually referring just to children. It's not talking about sons. He's talking about actually children, as beloved children, a child, and so it's a description of a child trying to imitate the actions of their parents. Sometimes Ethan will imitate little things that we do because he genuinely loves us and wants to be like us, trying to please us. And that's what what Paul is talking about. He says to imitate God in this way. And he tells us how we are to imitate him. He says we imitate God in his love. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so the way that we imitate God is in the way we love, in the way that we walk in love. This right here is a life hack for Christian living. Right? I talked about it last week. There is no life hack to getting close to God. But there is a life hack when it comes to Christian living, right? Like not doing these things and doing the things that you need to do. A life hack for Christian living is love. Is to walk in love. Because what? Love takes care of all of these things, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy or boast. Is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Bear, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Just by walking in love alone, we take care of all of these things. Like being patient, right? Really, I talked about it one time that being patient is an opportunity for us to love. You know what? Mina has reminded me that I've said this like many times since I've said it. I was I would be like I would be on the road and I honk and she's like, I thought you preached that you were supposed to that patience was an opportunity to love, right? But it really is. Arrogant, you know. Not to be prideful or insist on our own being irritable, resentful, rude, all these other things can be taken care of if we just learn to love like Christ loved the church. Right? We need to love like Jesus loved. And that's what Paul's talking about. As Christ loved us and forgave him and gave himself up for us. Being an imitator of God means that we have to first understand just how much God really loves us how we are his beloved children. It's easy to imitate what, what's ingrained in us. And Ethan imitates us because he, he sees us every day, right? He sees, he sees us every day, and so it's, it's a natural inclination for him to imitate us doing what we do. And we as children of God, we must get ingrained in us, in, in our being, not just in our mind, but in our heart. We have to get it ingrained in us that God loves us. That he 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 loves us so much. Right. But so many times we allow, like you know, when we when we're walking, so many times we feel like God God at first he's like he's like he, he judges us, or you know, if the first the thing that he wants to do is he wants to like like control us, or he wants to like you know he he's up there like waiting for me to sin. No, the first thing that God does is God loves us. Even if I mess up, He loves me. Right. Even if I you know, like get impatient. He loves me, even if I, you know, do whatever it is throughout the day that I mess up. You know, and I, you know, I mess up. Everybody messes up, right? But he still loves me. That has to be ingrained in us. That has to be what 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 wakes us up in the morning, and that has to be the last thing that we we think of before we go to sleep. That has to be what what drives us when we're going through persecution. That's what has to be in us when we have good times and bad times. We have to first understand and know that God. Loves us. That's where it starts. Just how much He truly loves us. We will never you no know, we'll never understand fully God's love for us. Because you know it says that we'll under we'll see him perfectly when we see him face to face. But we can understand more of his love continually, right? Because I, I can I can clearly say that I know more about God's love than than before we planted this church it's just from me just experiencing the amazing way that God has showed me his love and blessed me through ministry through out of ministry giving me children right you know like have pretty girl, like want, like marry me and you know these like so many things like even even when i feel like crap and even though when i have sinned and i'm just like ah and then god comes in his way into my heart through the power of the holy spirit and he's like you know what i love you there's so many so many times where i've been so discouraged and you know, many times where i felt depressed And in the midst of that, God will use people, God will use my wife, God will use whatever. It will infer into my heart, I love you. And, And we're able to know and understand God's love more and more every day. As we're in his word, as we draw closer to him in his presence, as we worship him, as we pray to him, and as he answers prayers, and as he hears us, and as we hear him, we're able to understand more about his love. So the first thing is we are to be imitators of God by walking in love. Everybody say walking walking in love. We are to walk in love. And the way we deal with one another is love what is leading us. You know, a lot of times we ask ourselves, do I love everyone? Right? Who who asked that? Sometimes you feel like, you know, it's like, do I love everyone? Do I love everyone? And it's hard to answer that because we might not have the emotional feelings of love for everyone. Some people are harder to love. Some people are just really hard to love, right? Can I get an amen, right? Anyone in here is just like, man, you are hard to love, right? So the question shouldn't be, do I love everyone? But it should be, am I walking in love? Right? Because if I ask myself, do I love everyone? A lot of times I feel like, I feel very guilty. I'm like, no. (laughs) I don't have these love feelings for this person, right? But it says, you have to ask yourself, am I walking in love? Are the actions of my life being led from a place of love, or is it coming from a place of my flesh? It's action. Am I walking in love? Are my actions coming from a place of love? And is this love that I'm trying to imitate coming from a place of me understanding just how much God loves me? Is the source of my love myself, or is the source of my love the love of God that's in me? Cause I may not feel all of the tinglys in my heart towards people. But if I'm actually walking in love, if, if I'm doing things, if I've established things in my life where I'm walking in love, then, then I can clear, with a clear conscience, I, I can say, like, I'm being led by love. It's motivation. Out of the overflow of God's love for us, we are to imitate God and love God and love people. That's the number one commandment, right? Love God, all your heart, mind, and soul, and love people. As beloved children, we're supposed to do this. And Paul, he likens us to children. Right? He's like, you know, be like little children. Jesus t- tells us that we have to be like little children. He says, and, and he said in the Jesus said, and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's Matthew. It's childlike faith. When you when you when you don't have any of the pretenses, you don't have any of that. Thing, I'm this and I'm that. You just it's childlike faith, like oh God loves me, God loves me so much. And it's from that place of childlike faith. It helps us understand God's love, and it produces in us love that is pure. And the motive of that is is pure, coming from God's love in us. And then Paul adds to walking in love. He adds purity. He talks about pure living. It says, therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of dis- disobedience. And it says later, in a few verses, it says later, Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he, he's doing it again. He gives us the spiritual truth, right? The spiritual truth. And then he, he gives us all of these practical things that should come from this pur- spiritual truth. Paul is a very practical man. Who likes practicality here, right? right? He's pragmatic. And the Christian faith is one that is actually very practical. Spiritual truth produces spiritual fruit, but those spiritual fruit aren't necessarily these like, enigmatic, like, like metaphysical changes that come upon our, uh, on who we are. It's actually practical ways that we just live our lives. Practical changes in how we live. Practical changes in how we love and deal with one another. And Paul tells us that walking in love, that's the spiritual truth. Us walking in love comes with us living our lives differently. Practically differently from from the world. And he talks about pure living. Here's the thing. There's a very powerful correlation between, between God's love and purity. Us understanding God's love and us loving God produces in us pure living. Love of the world produces in us all that gross stuff, right? Like, you know, sexual malady, malice, covetous, all these. But the love of God, right? When we really have the love of God and we understand it and we're trying to walk in the love of God, it naturally produces in us pure living. Because you can't say you love God and at the same time love all the things that he hates. So Paul lists these things that can he can't be among us right sexual immorality all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you now right off the bat i want to clear something up here right paul is telling this to the church fellow saints and believers in the body of christ he's not saying these things must not he's saying that this these things must not be among you meaning within the church what he's not what he's not saying is we have to avoid and not associate with anybody that lives like this. We must separate ourselves with all non-believers that think and live in this way. We should judge them, condemn them, and basically just pretend they don't matter because they're all going to hell. Paul's not saying that, right? A lot, of, a lot of Christians believe that. A lot of Christians they live this isolated lives, like oh impurity, right? That's not what he's saying. He's telling this to the church. In the church, amongst you, within this, this community, within this body of Christ, these things must not be named among you. Meaning, there is a higher calling to what it is to be the, the, the body of Christ. We have to hold each other to this. Among the saints, we must not have these immoral, impure things, meaning that we have to be different from the world. That's a stand. There's a standard for the body of Christ. When non-Christians see us, they should say, wow, they are different. Wow, they have different understanding of sex and sexuality. They carry themselves differently. They have values and morals that are different from mine. They don't laugh when I, when I tell them my jokes. They don't seem covetous. They actually seem to be thankful in what they have. Content with what they have and who they, who they are. Because it's true. We should have a different understanding of sex and sexuality. You know, God loves marriage. I'm going to talk about it next week. but He And he hates divorce, right? He says it clearly. I hate divorce. That means he loves marriage, right? And He hates adultery. And marriage and sex and sexuality was given to man together. God created marriage first. And back then, if you had sex with somebody, you were already basically married to them. You were basically married. There was no ceremony. When, when Isaac and, and Rebecca got married, it was like Isaac went into Rebecca in that tent or whatever it was, and ta da, they were married, right? Adam and Eve didn't date and then live together before they were married. Ma- one. There wasn't this season of us like, oh, I want to check you out, Adam, and see what you're like, and then like, oh, I think you're all right. No, they just became one. Marriage and sex came together first. And the Bible talks about sexual immorality, that word in the Bible. It can mean many things. It can mean a lot of different things. Some people say it can be like, that word is par- parnaya. It can be homosexuality, incest, adultery, fornication. And some people say, well, premarital sex is not in there. Premarital, God, Jesus never talked about premarital sex. is isn't actually in the Bible. So, you know, like, maybe I could live with my boyfriend. But Jesus, he puts it all to rest when he says even... You know, like, adultery is, even if you look at a woman in a lustful way, you've committed adultery in your heart, right? The standard that God lays out for his people is above that of the world. We have to be different. Not out of law and rules, but out of our love for God. And our our love for God and and, and God's values, his, his goodness, what he thinks is important. Paul says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. For us to be pure and above reproach. Even in how we joke around. Like locker room talk. I guess back then, even back then, they had like dirty jokes, right? Like, you know, like, (laughs) ha, 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 I don't know what, like, whatever they say in Hebrew, right? And they're don't 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 say that to the women, right? They're going to get offended, right? No, like, no matter what generation you're from, I'm sure even like you know, you know the, the colonial times, they'd be like, oh yes, I did, the. <laughs> whatever it is. There's like ba- dirty jokes, right? Because why? Because we dirty minds and dirty heart, right? What do you think? Like, hey, even when you joke around, right? Even when you're messing around with your friends, right? Don't let any kind of filthiness come out of your mouth, because right? that's not that's not Jesus, that's not God, that's not God's love, that's not the love of God does not produce that. Covetousness, wanting what other people have. You know, other translations say greed. For the world, this doesn't even seem like a sin. It doesn't even seem bad. Actually, greed is actually like, like me. Like I want to, I want to be the best. I want to get the most money. That actually is commended in the in in the world. But God says it's bad. We should not be envious of what other people have, but be thankful with what we do have, and seek God for what He has in store for us. We are called to be different. Covetous people follow not God, but what they covet. That's why it says covetous person is actually an idolater, right? Not because that like they're, they covet like you know this idol, no. It's because whatever they are coveting stops being what God wants for them, but actually it becomes like this idol that they go after, and they end up making decisions in their lives that are not actually from God but from what 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 is the desires and like the 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 things that in their heart that's outside of the, the boundaries of God can't be greedy we can't be covetous i mean it doesn't mean that we can't have money but how we view our money and how we view our possessions is very is has to be very different than that of the world and Paul warns us to be not fooled by the words of the world that says these things are fine Says, for you may be sure of this: that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Don't partner with them in what they do. Be different. Be pure. Walk in God's purity out of love and devotion to God. When you love God, you love what he loves, you hate what he hates. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. The children do that. Ethan hates a lot of things that Mina hates. It's because the only reason is because Mina doesn't like it. And he likes the things, like you know Chupa Chups? You guys are teachers, right? You know Chupa Chups, those candies, right? Ethan has only one flavor that he likes, and it's the crappiest one. It's that, it's that vanilla chocolate swirl one. Nobody likes that one, right? Every time I get that, I'm like, ugh, I don't want this, right? But the me, Ethan, whenever I go take him to the store and he pick, I wouldn't want. He's like, I want the chocolate one. I'm like, why? That one sucks, dude. There's like there's like strawberry, there's strawberry cream, and there's like lemon, and like there's apple. Apple's the best. When He's like, no, I want the chocolate one. You know why I found that? It's because Mina told him that that was her favorite. And from then on, he only picks the chocolate and vanilla one, right? Now, some of you guys, when I say this, might feel condemned. But here's the thing. Ephesians 4.19 talked about the mind of the unregenerate man, right? The, guy, the, the mind of the person that doesn't know Christ. And he said, those who are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The key word is practice. You know it's wrong, but you mess up, right? You know it's wrong. You've turned... And and you're like, oh, I'm following Jesus, and then you mess up. You know it's wrong. You mess up. You know, there's grace there. But it's different for those who practice these things. If you're regularly practicing sexual immorality, that was really hard to say. (laughs) Regularly practicing these things of unrighteousness, you think it's fine. You think in your heart, I can do everything I can because God loves me. He's going to forgive me. Or you, you just think that it's okay to sleep around just playing the field. You think it's okay to get drunk and you say whatever you know, you say whatever you want, you talk about all the kind of filthy things, it's okay to be covetous, it's okay for me to go after the things in the world that like no, I really want to be idolatrous, be greedy, put money before God. Paul's giving them a warning here. And if you are someone that's like that, it's a warning to you. You have to turn, you have to face Jesus, right? The key is practice, because if you practice there is no repentance. You guys have to understand that. When you practice something that's not of God, there, it means there is no repentance. Now, if you mess up, right? You've repented. You've actually, God, I know this is bad, so I'm going to turn to you, Jesus. I'm facing you, Jesus, and then you mess up. because we People mess up, man. People mess up, right? And then you turn, you turn back to God, like, God, ah, right? That's, that's where grace is, right? right? That's where grace exists, right? But then if you're practicing, you're like, God, it's all right, I'm, I'm just going to, like, this is, this is what I'm going to look at. Right? Why are you looking, God? All right, I'm gonna look at this unrighteousness, and I'm like, this is all good. I'm just gonna go out and you practice it in your life. You have to understand, right? If you're if you think you're a Christian and you're continuing to practice these things, right? You have a wrong understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came and said, well, what would He preach? He said, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. There needs to be a turning. But with people who practice, there's no repentance. There might be remorse. There might be guilt. But no real turning. And what God wants is repentance. He wants us to turn. Does the repentance mean that we're perfect? No. But our disposition to these things are different to that of the world. We have to see things differently. We have to value the things of God more. And we have to go after the things of God. That's why accountability and confessing our sins to one another is so important. James five sixteen it says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that they may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's grace. You mess up and you're like oh, I confess and you 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 turn back to God and you 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 find accountability. And you're like God, like like I want to I want to continue to face you. I know that I may have messed up here and there, but my heart is for me to just continue to go after you. I want to I confess my sins to each other. And that really is powerful, confessing your sins to one another. He right? says, don't be partners with them, meaning don't join them in what they're doing. All the world out there, right? You think, oh, it's okay. You know, God loves me. You know, I'm going I'm to do my best to follow God. But then there's like this, you know, and I just, I just want to just join them in what they're doing for a while. It's like, don't do that. Don't be partners with them. But I don't think Paul's saying to avoid them. Run away from them. Separate yourself from them because what he tells us next is for us to be like. The first one was walk in, lo- walk in love. Next is walk in light. Everyone say, walk in light. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For, what time is it? Okay. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It says, first walk in love, be like beloved children imitating the, uh, uh, like a loving parent, and it says that we are, are light, and walk in light, because what God is light, right? First John one five. This is a message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in Him and in Him there is no darkness at all. And when and we learned that that Jesus says that we're a reflection of that light of God, right? It says you are the light of the world, right? Nobody lights a a lamp and put it under a bowl, right? They put it on a stand so they can light shine light to everybody everyone in the house so we're, so Jesus says that we're we're actually light right so we walk in love we walk in purity and it says try to discerning the uh, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord love what he loves hate what he hates and now as light we are actually to go into dark places and not partake in those things of darkness but to expose the darkness light shines in how we live our lives I talked about it earlier, but in the practical things that come from the spiritual truth that we hold inside, right? If we have a spiritual truth, it's going to come out in a practical way, like love, kindness, and patience. And darkness is all around us. There's a lot of people that walk in darkness around us. And the light that we shine in how we live, in the character that we possess, the fruit of the spirit that we're to bear, it shines into the darkness of this world. The dark mind the darkened mind of the people that are separated from God and is headed to hell. Darkness isn't necessarily a place. But it's the heart and the minds of the people of those places, right? When we talk about darkness, we talk maybe we think about like a place, like, oh, that place is dark, right? Not really that place. Right? It's actually the people that are in that place that have darkness in the heart and their mind, right? And we 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 used to worship at a at a bar. Right here, right in Guangdong, you know that like, where the Kent Hotel is, that place with like a shellfish. It was like five floors of grilled shellfish, so it actually smelled really like to some very delicious, but to many people it smelled really bad. And on the, on the 18th floor, I think of that place, we had we we actually worshipped at a bar, and that bar, like like although it was a bar, right? We weren't like, oh, that place is dark now, because it, darkness isn't. Ne- ne- isn't necessarily a place it's in the hearts and minds of the people. We used to worship in tai1 at a at a bar. It was King Bar, remember? And it was right on Hooker Hill, where everybody would go and go to all the prostitutes, you know, and all the the, the, the gay bars and all the gay prostitute areas in one And we had a we had a, a a church that was literally inside this bar, right right at the off the, the main strip of Eeta1 And that's where we did church. And light shined in there. Because light isn't, and darkness isn't necessarily a location, but it's in the hearts of man. And as that church shined, people would be like walking out of Itaon all drunk, and then they'd be worshiping, or they would come to church. They would come to church, right? They would come to church. They used to start it pretty late, right? And they would actually be wanting, they would come to the club wanting like, oh, I'm going to come here and drink. And they're like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, it's a church. Like, what? The people would actually stay. And some people would, would come off the streets and think, oh, what's going on here? I, I came in here, I got drunk the other day. What's going on here, right? Because it, like we're supposed to shine light, right? Light comes from the way we live our lives, and it shines not into places, but it actually shines into people. It's relationship, right? And you can't have that shining into the light without relationship. Right? You have to have relationship. Into the dark places. That means we have to connect with people that are walking in darkness. That have their minds darkened with the things of the world. And we set an example with our lives and we speak the truth in love. We shine our light into the darkness and we cry out to them, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Do you guys get what he's saying? He's saying, "You, you, you live this life don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then and start living this pure life and then actually go and you're going to start to shine your light into the darkness in, in the way you live and you cry to them, awake, O sleeper. Awake from sleep. Repent. Turn to God and he, Christ will shine on you. Some people take the words of Paul here and they think that we can't have anything to do with the people that, in, that are walking in unrighteousness. Stay away from them. You know, separate ourselves from them. What, what Paul is saying is, don't be like them. Don't let them be numbered amongst you, right? As in, don't let, don't let like, non, like these people that are walking in this way think that it's perfectly fine for them to do this while they're actually being a part of the body of Christ, right? But then we're also called to go out and shine God's light into the darkness. Wake up those that are in darkness and help them to see the light. Expose the darkness in the hearts of people. Now how do we do this? Do we do this with judgment? You're a sinner. Repent. Well, some people do that, right? It actually, actually works sometimes. But what have we been learning from the beginning? Walk in what? Love. Walk in love. As we walk in love, and we start walking in this pure life, and we start having like like character and like you know like like truth in the way that we live our lives, and people see us, they're gonna be like, wow, something is different about them. Their darkness is gonna be like start to get exposed by the light that you shine from the life that you live, and then they're gonna be actually attracted to you. Mina used to go like she used to be a clubber, like you know, go to clubs all the time, and she'd do the body wave, you know. She was telling me, like, all the clubs that she went to and all that such. So we passed by somewhere. Like, oh, I went there before. I'm like, that's great, right? <laughs> and then she repented, and she turned, and she, she came back to the Lord. And then she, she was all, like, she was doing all good, right? And then she would be invited by her friends, that she her co-workers. They would have a birthday party at, like, a club. And then she would go to these birthday parties, all prayed up, right? She'd be like, Lord... Protect us. And, you know, her and Lisa, uh, our sister Lisa, would, like, get prayed up and get all, like, anointed. And then she would, like, oh, Lord, help us to resist the devil and all this stuff, right? And she would get prayed up. And then she would go to these bars. And then the guys would automatically be just drawn to them. It's not because they're all so pretty and, you know, whatever. Although my wife is very pretty. It's it's because they they were attracted to the light. And Mina would say, you know what? You're actually not attracted to me. You're actually attracted to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Christ is in me, and it actually, sh- you're 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 drawn to that, right? They'd be like wanted to ask her out, and she'd be like, no, you know. But then, but it, the the darkness. Actually, if we're actually shining true light, darkness is attracted to it. You guys, do you understand that? If you're actually, if the light that you're really shining is really good, right, if there's truth in you, and and people that are all like whatever, they're gonna look at that and they'd be like, wow, something is different. Something is different. I need some of that. Right? Awake, O oh sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Show them the light and cry out to them to wake up. Out of love and devotion to God, live right, imitate God in His love and holiness. Don't like be like the world, but know that you are a light called to shine God's light into the darkness. And wake up those that are... Living in darkness. Help them to see the light. Expose the darkness in the hearts of the people. And you start with that place of love. Walk in love. And the third thing that he calls us to walk in is walk in wisdom. And I'll close this real quickly. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Not Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul tells us to be careful in how we walk because be careful in how we live our lives and for us to walk in wisdom because it's really easy for us to actually like walk and actually really easy for us to start following the ways of the world because it's all around us. The ways of the world is all around us. And it says, you know what? Be, be, be wise. Don't be unwise. Hold on to wisdom in you because you know what? It's actually really easy for you to actually start walking the patterns of this world. So be on guard. Be alert. Take, for instance, covetousness. But whatever it might be, if you allow it to take root in your heart, it's not just wanting something else, something that someone else has, but it's wanting something so much that we are willing to go off on our own and and get it. It's not being thankful for what God has given us, but it's saying, God, you didn't give this to me, so now I'm going to go out of the boundary that you have set, I'm going to go and I'm going to go get this for myself. That's covetousness. Let me tell you, if you allow covetousness to grip your heart, it's really easy for us to start walking down the path of the world. Because right? it doesn't feel like sin. It's like, oh, I'm not like, you know, sleeping around with prostitutes. I'm not like going to the club and like, you know, hooking up with all these guys. I'm not doing all of these bad things, right? But then, Lord, oh, dude, that... Like, like you know that that what, that life that that guy's living looks really cool, man. I want to go after that. I want to I want to be like that. I want to be like him. And when you start to say like I want to be like him, and you you're basically saying I don't want to be like God. I want to be like the world. I want to like go after the things of this world. And it's really easy to follow the, down that path. It's really easy. That's why we have to be on guard, and we have to be wise and not unwise. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. He says this thing about the days being evil because probably Paul and the Christians and even the Ephesians that he's writing this letter to were probably getting persecuted. That's what I think, right? They're getting persecuted. These days are hard and difficult. These days are evil. Because they did really horrible things to Christians back then, right, when they persecuted them. But, But I believe that today, the world that we live in, we do live in an evil age. I said it last week. The world sentiment is turning more and more against God, and more the worldliness is actually become it's starting to be like the new normal. Right? There are greater distractions, more sensual and wicked things to pull us away from the path of God, and our time in this world is short. It's like in a blink of an eye. I, I'm 42 years old. I feel like I got here just like 42. Oh, you know. We have to be wise in the way we live our lives. And, and Paul gives us the key. He, says, Paul, he tells us to understand what the will of the Lord is for us. Wisdom isn't just brilliant ideas that we come up with. Like, oh yeah, that's what we pray for us. It isn't all of these things that we come up with on our own thinking that there are these, these great ideas for us to live in this way and that way. No, wisdom is figuring out what is the will of God is for our lives. That is true wisdom. It says figure out, discern, what is the will of God for your life? In order for us to discern right, we have to be near God. We have to draw close to him. Be, be in his presence, in community. We have to seek godly counsel. With a true desire to seek the wisdom of God and not our own understanding. Or the understanding of the world. And it tells us, Do not get drunk. Because that's not wise. No one has, no wisdom has come from drunkenness, right? No, seriously, I used to do. I used to get drunk, and I used to do the stupidest things, like like one, I used to I used to drink a lot when I was young, right? And one time I got so drunk that I was I used to get blackout drunk where I don't remember what happened. And then the next day I would like hear from my friends. It was like listening to an audio book of all the stupid things that I'd done, right? It was like be like you did this, and I was like what you did that. And one time I, I woke up. I was in my college dorm room, right? And I woke up. And, and I, I had on my clothes, but I didn't have my underwear on. And I freaked out. I was like, what the heck happened? And I, fr- I started calling all my friends. I was like, what happened? I don't remember anything that happened last night. And in my head, all of these like crazy things are going through my head. I'm like, what happened? And then they basically told me that I wanted to go swimming, so I jumped in the fountain. But I didn't want to get my clothes wet, so I took off my clothes, jumped in my underwear, and after I went swimming, I threw my underwear away, <laughs> put on my clothes, and came back. Right? This stupid stuff, right? There's no wisdom in drunkenness. Like one time, I, I, was, I, like, I, I was so drunk, and this is the reason why this girl broke up with me. The whole time, I was telling her how amazing this one other girl was. So I was like, dude, I woke up, and I was like, why, why is... Why isn't, like my girlfriend at the time, her name was Janet. I was like, why, why is she so mad at me? And they're like, you, didn't, you don't remember? I went on and on for about three hours about how great my friend's girlfriend was, right? It's stupid. There's no wisdom, right? And Paul's saying, like, don't get drunk, right? And you know what? This isn't actually, this is a warning that's going to be around for the rest of generation until Jesus comes back, right? Because alcohol and drunkenness will always be around. Drunkenness was around back then, and drunkenness will be around now, right? And he's saying, like, don't get drunk. Because no wisdom comes from you getting drunk, right? But then, this is the old self, right? Old self getting drunk. There's nothing good coming out of this. But he says, he says what? The new self is what? but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that? It says, don't get drunk, for that is debauchery, at least a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is in you, and He's continually leading you in the ways of the Lord. And As you obey daily, every day, in the little things and in the big, big things, we allow Him to lead us in, through His Word and through our actions, and we allow Him to take... Take the wheel and just really start to like, like affect the way we live our lives. We're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you hear from the Lord, and you're able to hear and discern the things that God wants for your life. That's wisdom. Wisdom isn't being smart. Wisdom isn't like knowing what to do. Like, like you know, like wisdom isn't like when a car breaks down and you could change the tire or, or like. Wisdom is understanding God's will for your life what he wants you to do figuring it out by the power of the Holy Spirit in us being filled with the spirit of God the spirit of God is so at work in us that we're actually filled with the spirit and we just want what God wants for us so much that all of a sudden we're like oh God wants me to do this God wants me to live this way that's the wisdom of God and he's saying don't be unwise be wise discern what is in what is the will of God for your life So was first walk in love, and the second was what? Walk in light. Third was walk in wisdom. And the last one, I'm going to close with this. It says, walk in worship, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with, his, with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. We walk in worship when we start walking the way that Paul lays out for us, he's saying, well, when you walk in love, when you start walking in the light, when you start to, to walk in the ways of God and you start to really seek wisdom, you seek the, the will of God for your life more than anything else in, in your life. And all, when you start to live this way, you start to live a life of worship. It says, walk, addressing one another in psalms and hymns. I used to thought that was weir- weird. I thought like when like Andreas comes in, I'd be like, hello, my Lord Jesus. and I don't know, like, like, I always thought that, like when I read this, like, we're supposed to be like, but it actually is like when w- the, the the what flows from your heart, even when you're dealing with one another, should be a worship unto the Lord. Right? When when you when you when you are talking with your friends, when you're talking with your with your with your coworkers, when you're talking with your bo- boss, what are, you address them with with hymns and, and singing like the, the 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 melody of God flows out of you in worship, not just in what you sing, but actually in the way that you live your life. It's a worship unto the Lord. You praise Him. And that comes from being thankful to God, living a life of thanksgiving. That's why I I believe that Paul really lays out covetousness. He brings that up because covetousness is the opposite of thanksgiving. It's covetousness. And when you have covetousness in your heart, you're actually not able to be thankful. But you know what? One of the main things about the kingdom of God and how it advances is through thankfulness. Thankfulness establishes true spiritual things into your life. And we're supposed to live this, this life of worship as we love, as we receive God's love. We're, we're filled with his love and we start to really walk in love. And as we walk in love, we live a life that's pure and righteous. We live a life that's like, that, that God will say, you know what, that pleases me. The life that you're living actually really pleases me, right? And as you please the Lord in this way, you go into the dark areas and, and, and you start to really shine that light into the darkness. And you speak the truth and love and you, you transform darkness into light. And, and you continue to live a life of wisdom where you're, you're like, God, I want, to, I want whatever you want for my life to be what I, what I live. And you discern the will of God for your life. You start to walk in true wisdom. And out of that flows true worship worship and worship is basically thankfulness You're like god thank you thank you that you are god and you are for me and not against me that you you save me that when i die i will not go to hell but i'll go to heaven thank you that that you're you're on my side thank you that you bless me thank you that you fill me up with your spirit thank you that you are who you say you are i want to close right now with thanksgiving i said it earlier thanksgiving is a huge aspect of the kingdom of God, you know, and and you know what we can we can be doing all of these things like, you know, praying and and reading the Word and and all of these amazing things. But if we don't have thankfulness in our hearts, something's going to be off a little bit. Right? We can be we can be like reading the Word and, and we're trying to read the Word, finish the Bible in a year and a half. We can be doing all these things, but if we don't have true thanksgiving in our hearts, something's going to be a little bit off, and the life that flows from us is going to be a little bit off. But it's, it's thanksgiving, right? Being thankful unto the Lord. It produces true worship. And all of this comes from the place of worship in our hearts. We worship God from a place of thanksgiving. I want to challenge you today. And if there's an application point to this sermon I want to give you guys, it's today as you go home, right? You guys are going home. And as you're sitting on your couch or as you're sitting in your bed or whatever you're doing, I want you to take a moment, whatever how m- long that moment is, And I want you to get into a place of prayer. I want you to really start to think and allow thanksgiving to flow out of your heart. Ask God to allow thanksgiving, true thanksgiving to be established in your heart. And start to go through your life and say, what are the things am I thankful for? What am I thankful for? What has God done for me that I'm thankful for? Because out of that's going to flow true worship. So I'll stand up.